Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. Well, we're truly in a season of miracles, and I'm believing for your miracle, for your home, for your family, for your loved ones, for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your miracle working power. You said that you do miracles, not by the works of the law, but by hearing with faith. And we hear your word, we hear your promise, and we receive it by faith. I pray for miracles. I pray for transformations, family salvations, miracle breakthroughs, healings from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my teaching today is all about Christmas and the beauty of Christmas, and really, it's the beauty of Christ. For the Bible says he is altogether lovely. And Christmas really is the most beautiful time of the year, but it's the most beautiful time in history as well. It is the celebration of God's beautiful love coming down to bring us to him. We have very little idea of how beautiful he truly is, and I hope today cures that. Because you see, the moment we awaken in heaven, we are gonna catch our first glimpse of the face of Jesus Christ. In Job chapter 19, verse 26 and 27, it says, we shall behold him. In verse 26, it says, Job says, even after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I will see him for myself and not as a stranger, my eyes will behold him, how my heart yearns within me. My eyes shall behold him, how my heart yearns within me. Boy, when we see him, we are gonna be awestruck. And I pray that our prayer would be the same as Job's prayer. I will see him and I will behold him. And when you behold him, what will you behold? You will behold his beauty. We will be astounded beyond imagination. Anything that we ever thought or considered beautiful will seem dull compared to the stunning loveliness of Jesus' face. Our immediate response, I just look forward so I long for this day. Our immediate response will be a, a gushing forth of true worship for thousands of ages. You know, um, theologians have, they've uh, named the wonder of beholding the face of God as the beautiful vision. And it's con when, we, when we see him, when we see him face to face, it's called the beautiful vision. The term comes from a Latin uh, words, with, that three words that you put together mean a happy making sight a delight to one's eyes. The promise that we will see the face of God is also found in Revelation chapter 22, verse four. And the coming of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas is the first picture we have of the beauty of God. Even though in the Old Testament there were glimpses and David said, uh, I long to behold the beauty of the Lord in his temple. He had a glimpse, he had a, he had a foreshadowing of the beauty of Jesus, but it says in Revelation chapter 22, verse four, we will see his face and his name will be on our foreheads. Well, it's easy to overlook 
this beautiful scripture found in the middle of the description of the new heaven and the new earth. But there's perhaps no promise in scripture. There's perhaps no promise in the Bible that is more wonderful and more beautiful than this picture, than this promise that we will see him face to face, that we will behold the face of our heavenly father. Wow. I, I really I can't wait. You know, we're going to see for years and years. We're going to be seeing new wonders, inexhaustible, infinite beauty and the glory of God. That's why when Jesus came the first time, it was it was to prove not only to save us, but to prove how beautiful God really is. What did he do? He healed. He delivered. He set free. He forgave. He did miracles. He loved the unlovable. He healed the unhealable. He forgave the unforgivable. Jesus is the center of history and he's the center of the Bible. Without Jesus, there is no A.D. There is no Anno Domino in the year of the Lord. Without Jesus, there would be no progress in an uncivilized world. There would be no hospitals. Jesus started the first one, you know, at the Good Samaritan Inn. You can find that in Luke chapter 10. But listen, without him, there is no redemption. There are no second chances without Jesus. There is no development. There is no love. When Jesus was born, love was born. When Jesus came down, love came down. When Jesus showed up, true beauty showed up. There is no Bible without Jesus. You know that, right? There's no Christianity without Jesus. There's no salvation without Jesus. There's no heaven without Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation in every book, there is Jesus. No wonder when you read the Bible, you see Jesus and our hearts just melt when we see Jesus touching and healing and delivering and smiling. Jesus is the glory of God. He's the beauty among all that is beautiful. He's the author of all beauty. I mean, think about the beautiful stories that Jesus tells. He tells stories of the father throwing parties at the return of his lost son, a master hosting a banquet and says, you're invited. In Isaiah, there was talk of the Messiah that would turn beauty from ashes. God is the most beautiful being and in all reality, it's most clearly seen in his self-emptying love and his humility, his true beauty. His beauty is so profound that he takes, it takes Jesus, he shows his beauty on the cross. He even makes the cross beautiful. Think about it, the most brutal death a human being could ever endure and Jesus endures it with beauty. Jesus endures it with forgiveness. Jesus endures it with consolation to his mother and with uh, purpose and declaring John's purpose at the foot of the cross, accepting and embracing the thief next to him and telling him truly this day you shall be with me in paradise. Even on the cross, Jesus demonstrates the most beautiful acts the most beautiful works, the most beautiful heart towards all of humanity. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. As we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we see how the wise men, they came from the east and they came to celebrate and worship this new born baby. 
Then we see Simeon, the man where the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not see death until he saw the Lord Jesus. And when the parents brought Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord, Simeon yells out with this joy in his heart, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, my eyes have seen your salvation in Luke chapter two, verse twenty nine. My eyes have seen your salvation. Here we see even at birth how people were attracted to Jesus. You know, when you see something beautiful and it's possible that you can get attracted to that beauty, just like that, our savior, he lifts the corner of his veil, which hides his glory. And we get a glimpse of his beauty when we, whenever we see anything beautiful. You know, there was a man in um, there was the king of Prince of Kiev years ago, a thousand, more than a thousand years ago, Vladimir the Great. He was looking for a new faith that would bring unity to the people in his country and around his region. So he sent messengers out to explore all the great faiths around the world. And they were to come back and they were to report to him what they thought and what they saw. And he said and they came back and they said that they saw all the religions and they were they were austere, they were abstract. But they said and there were many that were religious and ceremonial. But he but they said there was one faith that was so transcendent that they said that they led us to Constantinople after they had attended the services in the great church of holy wisdom. They told their master, we don't know whether we were in heaven or whether we were on earth. For surely there is no such beauty anywhere on the earth. We cannot describe it to you. Only we know we cannot describe it to you. Only we know that God dwells there among men and their service surpasses the worship of all other places. And they said, quote, for we cannot forget that beauty. We cannot forget that beauty. And that beauty is Jesus. And that beauty includes you and me, the people of God, the church of Jesus, the body of Christ. It says in Song of Solomon, Chapter five, verse 16, he is altogether lovely. His mouth is most sweet. Yes, he's altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. I want to read the scripture to you in John chapter one. And I just want you to just maybe close your eyes a little bit during these moments together. But I want to read to you John one, verse 16. I want you to picture Jesus. It says from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. You see, grace is a person. Jesus is the fullness of grace. He's the fullness of truth. And that's what makes him so beautiful. In Psalm chapter forty five, verse two and three, it says. Psalm forty five, verse two and three, you, you are the most handsome of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. St. Augustine gives us a picture as well. He says he then is beautiful in heaven. He is beautiful on earth. He's beautiful in the womb. He's beautiful in his 
parents' arms. He's beautiful in miracles. He's beautiful under torture. He's beautiful when inviting to life. He's beautiful in laying down his life. Augustine went on to say he's beautiful in taking it up again. He's beautiful on the cross. He's beautiful in the tomb. He's beautiful in heaven. You know, there's a scripture in a or there's a, a verse in a book written about the beauty of God. It was in the book of wisdom. Beauty attracts us. It evokes our wonder and joy. It arouses a flood of delight, inconsolable longing. We fall in love with beauty. We sing its praises. We want to stay in its presence. Solomon says, when I enter my house, I shall find rest with beauty, with lady wisdom for her companionship or companionship with her has no bitterness and life with her has no pain but gladness and joy. He was talking about Jesus. These words deserve to be applied to the birth of Jesus for it enabled human beings to hear, to see, to smell, to taste, to touch the very incarnation of beauty divine. When that woman said, if I just touch the hem of his garment and when thousands of people were just touching Jesus, reaching out to touch him or reaching out for him to touch them, they saw the beauty. They were drawn to it. She pressed through the crowd. She was drawn to his beauty. She didn't want to live another day in her life without that beauty. You see, in the Bible, there are three types of people, and it's true today. There were the multitudes where they saw what Jesus could do and they said, Lord, feed me. Then there were the disciples and they said, Lord, teach me. There were the, there were the apostles and they said, Lord, use me. But then there was John and he said, Lord, love me. He saw such beauty in John 13, verse 23. It says in the New American Standard Bible, it says he was leaning in on the bosom of Jesus. There he could feel his heartbeat. There he could hear his voice. There he could sense his love, his aroma, his beauty, his majesty. What is it that John saw? What is it that drew him to Jesus' bosom? It couldn't have been that Jesus was judgmental because that would never draw anybody to their bosom. It couldn't have been that Jesus was a punisher, an abuser, a herder, a hater. It couldn't have been that there was anything hurtful or harmful about Jesus. There was nothing unlovely about him, just perfect love. You know, that's so different than religion, isn't it? Many Christians grew up with checklists. Got to make sure we check this and do this and grow up with the idea that, that God's angry and he's waiting for the moment for you to step out of line so he can zap you. That is not the God of the Bible. That is not the Jesus that was born in a manger. That is not the savior that was the good Samaritan that stopped and picked up the wounded man and took him to an inn and gave him two days wage and said, I'll be back. And if it costs any more, I'll pay you then. It's just like Jesus saying, 
he came and he saved us, he rescued us, and he said, I'll be back in two days. Well, you know, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. So when he said, I'll be back in two days, it could have meant I'll be back in 2000 years, which would be about now. Boy, wouldn't it be great if it was now for Jesus to come back? I can't wait for that day. But, you know, as I grew up in, as I grew up with some religion, I didn't grow up knowing Jesus. I grew up with some religion and never once did I hear about Jesus being beautiful, about God being beautiful, that everything good and true and beautiful is found in him. I never heard that. I never realized that. But if we would bring this Jesus, the real one, by the way, the only one, if we would bring this Jesus, if we would interpret correctly, if we would read the room correctly, when Jesus is talked about and spoken about in scripture, we would realize that if people were to see the real Jesus, they would be drawn to him. They would be running to him. They would be dropping everything, dropping everything on their schedule, forsaking everything that they've ever thought brought joy to them. And they would come running to this delightful, beautiful savior. See, we can lose anything in this life, we could lose everything in this life and it would mean nothing as long as we have him. Wow, wow. And think about this for a moment. Jesus never said if we and I, sometimes I think we overcomplicate this. Jesus never said unless you become like a priest, you cannot enter the kingdom. Unless you become like a prophet, you cannot enter the kingdom. He said, unless you become like a child, what marks a child? They see the beauty. They see the beauty in life. They're not stained by by the pain yet. They're not stained by trauma yet. They're not stained by the broken world yet. They can see God at a young, young age. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 14, we're, we translated as I am the good shepherd, but it's actually translated as I am the beautiful shepherd. It means to look at something magnificent, something that is beautiful by reason of purity. It, it means praiseworthy. It means beautiful, excellent, eminent, suitable, commendable, admirable. Jesus is the beautiful shepherd. The beautiful Jesus invites us to be flooded with his love, to be flooded with his presence. He is Emmanuel, God with us. In Psalm chapter 50, verse two, it says perfect. He is perfect in beauty. He is perfect in beauty. The Hebrew word is Yofi. It means absolute beauty, the sum of all desirable qualities. If, if you could add up all the good qualities, take a good quality in this person and that person and me and you take all the good qualities in billions of people, put them all together. No bad qualities, just only the good ones. You take extract all the good ones from eight billion people in this world today. And that is the beginning of 
how much Jesus, how much beauty Jesus has. It's the beginning of it's not it's, it's not even the fulfillment of it's just a taste because every one of those good, beautiful characteristics in each human being in this earth came from God. It was God's idea. What is broken about mankind came from Satan. But what is beautiful about mankind came from God. In song, well, I say this. The whole Bible is a mosaic of Jesus. It's the beauty of God expressed in all of its stages, all the chapters, all the different books, all the decades, centuries and millennium, all through all of its evolution, through all of man's drama, through all of man's hatred, through all of man's sins and offenses toward God. The theme of the Bible is love. The theme of the Bible is redemption. The theme of the Bible is beauty. Jesus is found in every book, just as he is found in every season of your life. He's in your past. He's in your pain. He's in your problem right now. He's not the cause of it, but he's in it with you. He's in your future. He's in your good decisions and he's in your bad decisions. He's not causing the bad ones, but he's in it to turn the bad ones into something good. Song of Solomon again says in the New Living Translation of Chapter five, his mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. He is desirable in every way, says in the Message Bible or then goes on to say such. He said in the Message Bible, his words are kisses. His kisses are words. Everything about him delights me. This you know this in the Bible. This is amazing. This prophetic description of Jesus because he is that and so much more. It says his words are kisses, his kisses, words, everything about him delights me, thrills me through and through. That's my lover. That's my man. Dear Jerusalem. Isaiah paints a picture of the soon coming king in chapter 42 of Isaiah. It says in the New Living Translation, this is the message translation. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. He won't brush aside. Have you felt brushed aside by people? He won't brush you aside. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. He won't disregard the small and the insignificant, but he'll steadily and firmly set things right. He won't tire out or quit. He won't be stopped until he's finished his work to set things right on the earth. How beautiful is this savior that we get to call our friend? our big brother, our Lord, our master. He's all of those things. I gladly am his servant. I'm gladly am his I'm, I'm, I'm gladly his bond servant or bond slave. I'm, I'm gladly in his debt forever. I'm gladly in his family. I'm gladly on his team. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. In Psalm 27, verse four, David said in the Message Bible, I'm asking God for one thing, just one thing only to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty and I'll study at his feet. I'll contemplate his contemplate his beauty. I want us to contemplate his beauty for a moment here today. 
I want to contemplate the beauty of Jesus. Picture this man, how beautiful are his hands as he healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, multiplied bread and fed the multitude. Then his hands were pierced for our salvation and for our healing. How beautiful are his feet pierced for our sins after walking mile after mile, bringing healing power, bringing love, bringing salvation to whoever believes. How beautiful is his embrace as children go racing toward him to be caught up in his arms as he lays his hands on each of them, blessing them with his sacred and holy, tender touch. How beautiful is this savior we're celebrating Christmas over? How beautiful is his prayer when he prays in John 17, verse 23, that the world would know that the father sent me. that the world would know the father loves us just as he loves Jesus. How beautiful is his prayer? How, how beautiful is his humility? When in John chapter 13, verse three, one of my favorite scriptures now, it says in John chapter 13, verse three, Jesus, knowing that the father had put all things under his power and authority upon knowing this, Jesus didn't take a bow. Jesus didn't take the throne. Jesus didn't take a victory lap. No, he didn't do any of those things. He took a towel and he washed his disciples feet. How beautiful is his humility. How beautiful is his writing when he stoops to the ground in front of the woman caught in adultery and he writes down in the dirt something that must have meant something to her. Something that set her free. Woman, I don't condemn you either. I don't condemn you. How beautiful is Jesus love in John 11 when they said, Jesus, the one whom you love is sick. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved Lazarus and Jesus loves you. How beautiful is his love? Well, we're getting to the end here, but I I can't I can't stop talking about his beauty. So bear with me for a couple more moments. How beautiful are his tears when in John 11, 33, he sees Mary weeping and he's moved deeply with compassion. And we find the shortest verse in all the Bible that everybody's memorized by now, John 11, 35, and Jesus wept. Why? Because he had so much love and his tears must have been the most beautiful thing to see and to feel. How beautiful is his brow as it's pierced through with a crown of thorns, the greatest king, the most brilliant mind, is bloodied by a punishing crown that he wore for you and me, not a crown of glory, a crown of thorns. How beautiful is his heart that looks upon his mother weeping at the cross and commissions John to take care of her as he hangs on the cross for you and me. His concern was not for himself, but in his most painful moments, his concern was even for his mother. How beautiful. None of us are quite like that. We want to be, but we're not. But how beautiful are his words on the cross 
when he says, Father, forgive them as they nailed him to the tree, as they gambled for, with his, for his garments and mocked him for the whole world to see. How beautiful are his eyes that looked at the thief next to him as his own friend without condemning, without condemning him and promising him, today you should be with me in paradise. Whew. Think about this savior, his absolute love, his forgiveness, his playfulness, his humor. What are you guys doing? How's the fishing going? His wisdom, his storytelling, his second chances, his eagerness to be with us. Come down from there, Zacchaeus. I, I need to be in your house. I'm coming to your house. I need, I need to be. His humility, his inclusion, he included everybody. Welcomes the tax collectors, welcomes the sinner, welcomes you, welcomes me, worse than sinners. He welcomes us all. His generosity, his gentleness, his approval, his joy, his playfulness, his passion, his fierceness, his humility, his honesty, his cleverness, his justice, his dedication, his wisdom, his faithfulness. Who wouldn't want to serve this savior, this great almighty God? I'll close with this thought and then we can pray together. In Song of Solomon, chapter five, in the Passion Translation, he alone is my beloved. Verse 16, he shines in dazzling splendor, yet is still so approachable without equal. He as he stands above all others, outstanding among 10,000. The way he leads me is divine. His leadership so pure and dignified as he wears his crown of gold. Upon this crown are letters of black written on a background of glory. <laughs> wow. Verse 12, he sees everything with pure understanding. How beautiful are his insights without distortion. His eyes rest upon the fullness of the river of revelation flowing so clean and pure. Looking at his gentle face, verse 13, I see such full emotion, such fullness of emotion, like a lovely garden with fragrant spices. What a man, what a man. It goes on to say, what a man in verse 13. No one speaks words so anointed as this words that both pierce and heal words like lilies dripping with myrrh. Verse 14. See how his hands hold unlimited power, but he never uses them in anger for he is always holy, displaying his glory. His innermost place is a work of art so beautiful and bright. How magnificent and noble is this one covered in majesty. He's steadfast in all he does. His ways are the ways of righteousness based on truth and holiness. None can rival him, but all will be amazed by him. Verse 16, most sweet are his kisses, even his whispers of love. He is delightful in every way and perfect from every viewpoint. If you ask me why I love him so, this is my answer. It's because there is none like him. Everything about him fills me with holy desire. And now he is my beloved, my friend forever. He is altogether lovely. Think about that. Everything about him is what makes him beautiful. Every aspect of his character, every bit of his personality is awe inspiring, captivating, fascinating. And today he's yours. Today he's mine. And forever he shall be with us and forever he shall be ours and forever we shall be his. And all you've got to do is just say yes to this beautiful savior. You'd have to be a fool to say no to this man. 
Won't you pray and receive him today? Just say, Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus into my life as my Savior and Lord. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Say that out loud. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he is love. I believe he is beauty and the source of all goodness. I receive him now in Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that you are going to see him face to face. We're going to be able to say like Job, my eyes shall behold him in all of his glory. Your eyes, my eyes, we're going to see him this season we're in. Let's not take it for granted. It's a season of discovering his beauty, discovering his love, discovering his passion for you and his passion for us together as a church family. We are his bride. We are his beloved. And all we need to do is be a part of this family and trust him with our lives. God bless every person. God connect us all deeper to your love. We are the branches. You are the vine. We are the branches. Connect us all to you and to one another, that we would be one with you and with one another in Jesus name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God and welcome all you that are already a part of the family of God. I love you. Have a beautiful week. Don't miss one of our Christmas services. Can't wait to see it. Our next one. God bless.